How you doing? This is Mike Petrie from the USA Eagles and the New York Athletic Club. You're listening to Rugged Matrix America. Thanks, Mike. And indeed you are. Rebranded and ready to roll for the rest of 2010. This is Rugger Matrix America. We're at our new home, rugbymag.com. The best place to be for all your rugby news. Dan Payne also joining us today. Hello and welcome to our first episode of Rugger Matrix America, as I said in the introduction. Very excited, the project now moving to RugbyMag.com. Bruce McLean feels pretty comfy here. Yeah, we're on an American site. we got everything going American. It's going to be really good to be Rugger Matrix America, and, I, and, and I'm really excited. And I, and I think that our first show is, is, is very good. We have Mike Petrie, who said he was from the New York Athletic Club, but he's got big news to tell us about his signing at Dale Sharks. And then I think that it, I got some other news, though, Bronk, that's kind of disturbing. And, I, and, and, and I'm going to ask if the, if, the, if the listeners will help us out a little bit. Apparently, the funding for, for all age-grade programs at USA Rugby has been cut for 2010. That there is no more money, and I got a, I got an email from my friend named Hogan, who comes in from England to do guest coaching, at at a lot of the age grade stuff from under 18s, under 20s, college all Americans, all that kind of stuff, and I love the guy, and he was shocked, and and I'm I'm really shocked because essentially every every American player on our team has been through the age grade. I don't know what Mike Petrie's been through him, so. If anyone knows anything, please blog about it or something. Because I guarantee you we'll have Scott Lawrence and, and Rob Holder on discuss this in a future show. But I don't know. You know, we're, we're going to have other people on. Somebody, somebody was responsible for this, and, and we're going to deal with this at a future time. So if anybody knows anything that can help us out to make the show interesting, please do. But without further ado, Bronk, <laughs> we have one of the finest kids that you could ever hope to coach and I mean, he's been a pleasure since he started. A great family, and 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 a, and really a, a tremendous person to have on your team. Not just as a player, he's just a tremendous teammate, a tremendous guy. And now he's got an opportunity to play Premiership Rugby. Mike Petrie, welcome to Rugger Matrix America, brother. How you doing? Here, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, what exciting news, Mike. Uh, you are basically on the plane not long after we record this interview. Uh, it, it must be exciting for you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's been uh, a couple months in the works since when I signed, and now that I'm finally leaving. So, uh, like you said, it's about 24 hours now till I ship off, and uh, it's kind of starting to starting to be real now. You know, this has been not only a couple months in the works. This has actually been a few years in the works, and you had a goal of becoming a national team player and a professional rugby player. And, and you did a lot of things toward that goal to, to attain it. Could you just talk us through what a typical week was for you in a typical day during the Super League season when you were preparing to play for the New York Athletic Club, but also preparing to play overseas? And this is not something that just happened. This wasn't something that Mike just started doing 
this year. This is something Mike's done for several years, and this is how come he's a quality player. If you could just talk us through what you did to get yourself to this point so that other people can possibly follow. Yeah, of course. Sorry, just just to clarify earlier, I said, you know, it's been a couple months in the making. Um, like you said, it's been it's been a long time coming. Um, the couple months in the making was, you know, the contract issues and, and just waiting to go over. But uh, like you said, you know, there's a lot of work that's gone into this, uh, a lot of goal setting from my part from early on. Um, you know, a typical day for me as of lately, I've been juggling a job in the city in Midtown at UBS Financial Services, uh, working in private wealth management uh, with a guy by the name of Gary Zahakos. Uh, great guy, absolutely um, outstanding. You know, taught me a lot about the business, taught me a lot about the industry, but realistically was just very supportive of my rugby career and really allowed me to travel with the Eagles and, and uh, do what I had to do. But you know, it still was difficult. It wasn't uh, wasn't easy by any means. I was able to play with the New York Athletic Club, and luckily, you know, I had playing for you and playing for Coach Tolkien. You know, we're very understanding of the idea that it is a difficult thing to juggle. And you know, it's uh, it's waking up early in the morning. You know, uh, alarm goes off at 5:30. You get on the six o'clock train to head up to the New York Athletic Club, work out at the gym before uh, before I go into work. This way, by the time I show up at work at like 8.30 in the morning, 8.15, I've already got my first workout in. Uh, I spend the day trading, taking calls from clients, doing what I have to do, learning the business. Um, you know, and for me, that was a challenge in and of itself because I didn't study finance in school. I was a science guy. So uh, I had to kind of learn all the ropes of the financial industry. Um, and then after training or at the, sorry, at the end of the workday, Usually, uh, if I didn't have practice with the New York Athletic Club, I would, I would come home or go back to the club and and do another workout, either run or uh, do something of that nature, just to get some conditioning in. So I was looking at a pretty busy schedule every day. And and uh, if I did go to practice, and I did go to the gym in the morning, my my day would basically go from about six in the morning when I left my house, and I would probably get home around 10:30 uh, at night at the end of training. So. You know, not not uh, not entirely unusual for um, you know American rugby players. I know so many guys make sacrifices to do it, but like you said, I mean, the thing that drove me all the time was the constant pursuit of goals and and uh, knowing that I wanted to reach my potential and I wanted to be a better player and I wanted to make that happen every day. Mike, I, I just want one of the things I wanted to talk about is when you did your skill work. You did a lot of you did a lot of skill work with, with Mike Tolkien on your on your pass. You you spent time. I'm, you know, digging left-handed and right-hand passes out of scrums, passing going backwards, passing off a line out off the top, passing off of, off of uh, off of rucks. You really went through a very rigorous skill session almost every off day of practice with either Mike, with your brother, with your fiance Lauren, or with your father. Yeah, everybody no, was I... catching passes, and I just wanted to talk through that a little bit because that's a lot of like. The lonely work, you know, a lot of people work out, but you not only worked out, you worked on becoming a better player. Right, you know, and, and, and that's just the nature of, you know, and, uh, of being a skill position player as well is that uh, there's so much extra work that goes in on the little things, um, you know, and I had to spend a lot of time doing that. And like you said, I, I can't thank Coach Tolkien enough for everything that he did uh, for me throughout my career and just spending spending the long hours and the extra nights at Xavier, at Nyack, outside, wherever we could find space, um, you know, just throwing passes and getting me ready and 
and teaching me drills and, and uh, tactically going through things. And I mean, he was just so creative. It was amazing. You know, uh, I mean, we would be on a basketball court. We'd have, um, you know, corporate people coming in to play at 7 o'clock. And by the time I got there after work at 6.30, we'd have a half hour to run through things. And we would get hockey nets and we would get all kinds of different cones and targets. And, uh, you know, he would make me dig the ball out, like you said, from all different kinds of situations. And run me ragged for about a half hour and make sure that I was tired and ready to pass. And, you know, and he, and he really, really helped me a lot. And, um, you know, looked at, broke down my passing from a technical standpoint. And then, like you said, I had people like my, in my family that, uh, you know, were, were very, um, very on board. Uh, my brother, you know, was around every now and then to, uh, to throw some passes and, you know, work on his game. He won a national championship with Xavier this year. He's a scrum half also. So, you know, he's got a, pretty bright future ahead of him you know he's just he's just excited getting himself started and embarking on his own journey there um you know my dad is a, is a rugby guy through and through um you know would gladly stand there and catch a thousand balls if i wanted him to you know he uh, he struggles with with the high ones so i've got to make sure that i throw good passes you can't really lift the shoulders so uh you know it's good to have him out there because then you got to make sure you throw throw money balls or he's not going to get them so uh you know and like you said we even we even threw even through lauren my fiance into the mix every now and then she would come out and and catch balls and, and have fun and play around and uh and just be a part of it sounds like a great uh rugby family mike you've got there through all those drills through the extra work who were you thinking of in the back of your mind as a marquee player the scrum half that you really like to to model your game on or or learn the most from and someone you respected uh greatly see that's that's such a difficult question because i've never um emulated any professional rugby player um you know and, and specifically no one from my position but uh to be honest with you the one guy that that i've always I, you know, I have had a role model, to be honest, and someone that I've always looked up to, um, Johnny Wilkinson, believe it or not. Um, I read his books. I know he's not a scrum half, but, um, you know, just from reading about him and watching him play, I mean, from, from what I see and from what I read and from what I hear, I mean, there's virtually no one on this planet that works as hard as he does um, and goes through what he does to be as good as he is, you know. And uh, I learned a lot from reading about him and, and – learning what his routines are and seeing what it is and you know and it's it's a bit humbling you know a guy that's that's uh that's that good and is at that high of a level to see all the little things that he does every day you know and it's and it's uh it's all from a personal thing you know for him it, it was just a personal thing that if he went out and kicked you know 20 drop goals even if he hit all 20 if he wasn't happy with the the uh the placement of it if he wasn't happy with his technique or his form he would kick another 20 you know, and uh, he would do it until it got dark and, you know, in the rain and the wind and whatever weather came through because he knew that on that given day that there was someone else maybe out there that was training harder than him. And when the time came for for uh, for him to have his opportunity, he wanted to make sure that he was ready and, you know, he deserves that. And that's kind of the attitude that I've taken into my training and, and tried to carry over to it. So, you know, unfortunately, like I said, I haven't, I haven't uh, emulated any specific scrum half but certainly um, someone I've looked up to and, and really read a lot about and, and tried to model myself after is uh, Johnny Wilkinson, undoubtedly. Mike, on the Eagles, you're pretty good friends with Robbie Shaw. Yeah. And you just talk, us, talk to us about your relationship with him, what he's doing, and, and how 
you know, you guys spoke a lot about trying, uh, and and I think that he he helped you along in, in thinking about how to how to get yourself overseas and get yourself placed, and and, and if you just talk a little bit about that, and I know Robbie's hasn't been the uh, the scrum half of choice recently, but you know that, but I know that you guys are pretty good friends. Oh, you know, without a doubt, Robbie and I are great friends. You know, we met uh, in 2008, I think, at the Churchill Cup, and we were roommates on the trip and, you know, kind of immediately bonded. We both, similar mindsets, similar guys, you know, um, similar goals. And like you said, I hope that uh, he gets his opportunity soon because he, he certainly deserves it. He's a great guy, a great player, good friend of mine, and certainly offered me you know, some insight because he was a guy that had kind of been through the gauntlet of, of rugby in Europe, having played in Ireland and, and uh, played in England and starting at a young age with London Wasps and going through doing what he did. So he and I talked extensively, and then I was real excited for him when he got the opportunity with, uh, with Bristol. I know the year before he had spent some time at, at Esher, um, but, uh, you know, he was, he was really excited about going over to Bristol and, you know, I was disappointed for him when, when, uh, Bristol didn't get moved up to the, uh, to the premiership. I was, you know, especially this year that I was going to be there too. I was really looking forward to having the opportunity to, uh, to see him and to play against him and, and just have some fun. But unfortunately, you know, Robbie's had a tough string of, uh, injuries this year and, and had some bad luck and, and, uh, you know, the team in general had some bad luck, you know, to, uh, lose to Exeter like that. But, you know, I think Bristol will have another good year. I think Robbie will have a great year. And, you know, I hope uh, I hope him, you know, I hope he does really well, and I wish him all the best, definitely all the time. Mike, uh, under-19 captain with Todd Clever. Todd in Japan. So you're in sale, and, and Todd in Japan, far flung, but certainly good for the Eagles program to have you guys involved in good professional programs. Oh, uh, without a doubt. You know, I, I mean, uh, just going into the Eagles camps and, talking to different guys about kind of what they've got in the pipeline. Um, you know, different guys that, you know, I'll let them say and do what they have to do when the time comes. But I'm really excited for American rugby in general. Uh, you know, Todd's over in Tokyo. I, I caught up with him briefly the other day online. He's having a great time, enjoying himself. You know, he's really kind of... As he's Japanese, really kinda... he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he just started his Japanese. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't try any with me. Um, so I, I don't. Although I, I don't know. He, he could have. He could have slid one in, and I might not have understood it. But uh, amongst the rest of his California gibberish. But uh, but that's all right. You know, he, he's he's over there. I I hope he does all right, and I'm sure he will. You know, he's he's kind of like set the standard and raised the bar. You know, with with his career and what he's done. And and uh, like you said, we started out together really young at under 19s, and the first time I met him, I thought he was the craziest kid I've ever met in my entire life. Um, you know, he was just a fun guy, you know, but again, you could see that he had a lot of ambition. You could see that his heart was set on this. And I'm really proud of him, really happy with all the things that he's done. I think that both of you guys have really done everything that that, that, that it takes to do the special things that, that separate um, great players from good players. And, and you really... You know, the two of you really took chances. When you went to Belmont Shore from New York, I mean, you just took a flyer, won an international championship. Todd went down and played in New Zealand at North Harbor because of McKittrick, who's now coaching on back. And, and, 
And and I and I think that when he, when he was down and he got an opportunity to play at North Harbor, when you guys went on the under 19s together with Richie White and Frank Sharp and 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 Todd and you and you know I I really just think about all the things that you guys have done and and have taken advantage of every opportunity that's been given and 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 it really makes us Mike and I especially feel really good and really proud to know you guys and to know that you guys really are what American rugby ideally that all the players like you all the guys who play in the 20s all the guys who play all American all the guys who you know step into a into a good club situation and then and make their opportunity and make the most of it going overseas and I, and, and and ideally this keeps on happening that we have Mike Petries, Todd Clevers, Dan Lyles, Dave Hodges is and uh and Louis actually just signed in your uh in your home country. Louis just signed a contract in 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 Italy. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, he's, yeah he's I, got, I sent he's, the message over to him. Yeah, he had he had uh he had Skyped me a couple times and I and never been able to I we just been missing each other. But he he, he signed it he signed in Italy and I know that you were trying to sign in Italy for so long for like two <laughs> years and then you and Fury we were working stuff going to Italy and now you're now you're in northern England <laughs> and uh and then Louis over in Italy with his blonde hair and you're yeah. you're in northern England with your with your Italian surfer's body. So this is pretty good stuff. <laughs> uh but Bronk does video. Oh, go ahead, Bronk. I just want to um, talk specifically about sale now because we know you're all heading. You're heading there, Mike. But uh, let's talk about not such a good, right. not not such a good season on the table uh, this year. But you know, looking at the squad, great potential there. Uh, what are your thoughts? You're heading into it. Have you done your research? Are you ready to roll? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. You know, I, I, I know a lot about the club. Uh, I spoke to Mike Kirkus. He had played there a little while back. Um, so one of the first things I did when the thing with sale came through, you know, I uh, emailed him, talked to him a little bit about things. You know, he's a guy that I played with on the Eagles for a long time. So I respect his opinion, respect his decisions. And, um, you know, and then, again, I went, I went to Bruce. I went to Coach Tolkien. You know, those are guys that have a lot of contacts in the U.K. Talked to them a little bit about the club. Um, my knowledge of it right now is just that, uh, you know, I'm expecting a lot of hard work. Um, I'm expecting obviously nothing to be easy and, you know, but the one thing I am pretty excited about, it looks like there's a lot of new changes at the club. Like you said, last year, they had a, a tough year, um, managed to, uh, to stay in the premiership, thankfully, and edge that one out. But, you know, they've got, uh, a new, new coach there, Mike Brewer, um, former all black, I believe don't know. A whole lot about uh, you know any of the the history of of uh, anyone there, but I know that it's a good opportunity for everyone to start off a uh, a new season, start fresh. You know, myself included, coming in, it definitely uh, definitely makes you feel a little better. Like everyone's starting from slate, you know, and uh, a whole new scratch, and, and we're going into the season. Everything seems really positive. They put out a lot of new big signings this uh, these past few weeks. So I'm excited to meet a lot of the guys, excited to play with them, and certainly excited to uh, to get some new opportunities and have a little bit of an adventure over there. You're going to be playing with, in in my mind, is Charlie Hodgson as a fly half is is really able to play almost as flat as you possibly can, and I think that that actually is going to fit the way you play. And the way you like to run on a swivel pivot, and the way 
that you really, you know, you really test defenses because you want to be a threat and you like you tend to play better when your fly half's a threat as well. And I, and 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 I think that the young kid Jamie Gaskell, the 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 second row who played on the twenties, and 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 I think you'll have a solid platform which with Andy Sheridan and. and Obviously, with uh, with Cohen and Coedo on the sides, I think that I th- think that you're gonna you're gonna have yourselves you got you got yourselves a pretty good team, and I, I think that you have I, th- I think that you have a I think you have a lot of a lot of skill with Tate and and, and things like that. So, what what are you what are you thinking going into this? Do you have any preconceived notions? Um, my preconceived notion is just that you know obviously it's going to be a very high standard. Um, I think that, uh, you know, those guys got to where they were and it's no coincidence, you know, guys like Charlie Hodgson, guys like Matthew Tate, you know, so I'm really looking forward to being in an environment where they're working just as hard as I am. You know, they have all similar goals. They want to represent their country. They want to win the Guinness Premiership, you know, and, uh, and everyone's setting their goals high. And I think that it's going to be kind of an infectious thing throughout the team and definitely, um, really excited to be a part of that. Mike, uh, we've got Dan Payne coming up very shortly, but uh, a few more questions before we let you get your preparations un- underway for the trip. wanted to ask you about the influence that uh, Bruce and the guys and New York Athletic Club, both uh, from a playing point of view, uh, philosophically, maybe even spiritually on you. Uh, can you describe what the club's meant to you? Uh, the, the club has meant everything to me. It's... Um... It's just, it's hard to describe because of everything that, that uh, they've given to me, everything they've done for me. There's just, you almost feel like there's just no way to be able to uh, to compensate and, and give them back, you know, for, for all the things that they've done. Guys like Bruce, guys like Coach Tolkien, guys like Fiore, um, Fetty, uh, Matt, all the guys, all the coaches, you know, the admin guys, Teddy, Teddy Vaccaro, um, you know, the guys within the New York Athletic Club itself. It's just, it's amazing, you know, and, and winning the national championship this year um, in such a fashion that we did and going out to San Francisco, uh, was just incredible. And, you know, and then the, the club itself hosts a uh, national championship dinner for us. And I come back, I have the uh, Wingfoot New York Athletic Club magazine. You know, you, you just realize what it means and, and what it is and how special it really is. It's, it's, it's very different than playing for you know, some kind of United States rugby club. Um, you know, New York Athletic Club just has so much tradition in and of itself, and it's, you know, had so many great athletes over time. And, you know, to take a walk and, and go in the gym and work out and then go downstairs and see the Hall of Fame and all the people that were New York Athletic Club athletes uh, really changes the meaning of what you do. And and then the guys that are there, I mean, it's it's definitely no easy job to play rugby in New York City. You know, I mean, like I described earlier, I mean, I could say probably that the vast majority of everyone on the team does the same thing. You know, you've got guys like Troy Bartley, James Denise, traveling from New Jersey to come play and loving it, you know. And, and those are the reasons that, you know, the biggest reasons that I'm going to miss playing here. You know, my, my teammates here were, were just amazing guys, and I had so much fun. And the coaches made everything fun, and they made everything competitive, and, you know, and uh, they made everything easy for us. You know, one of the guys that I met at the, uh, the rugby dinner said it was a pleasure to watch the New York Athletic Club play this year because everything was just so smooth and so fluid. And, you know, and that's owed to the guys on the team and their work ethic and then, you know, most importantly, the coaches and, and letting us play and, and giving us the platform to go with and, 
And personally, from my standpoint, guys like Bruce and guys like Tolkien, um, always in my corner, always supporting me through everything that I've ever done in my life and uh, in so many more ways than just rugby. And I'm, I'm so grateful to them that I, I can't, even really, can't even really describe it. Great to hear. Well, Bruce, you're going to miss him. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, you, don't, you, don't replace, um, you don't replace a Mike Petri, you know, in, 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 in an hour world. You don't, we don't have players like that, and, and they just don't exist. And, and it's nice to see that one of the things that brings to the table is he makes everyone around him better. He, is, he has a tremendous work ethic. He has you know, the highest character, and he enjoys and relishes in the success of others. And, 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 and he's a pleasure to coach, and he's a pleasure to be around. <clears throat> and, he, <clears throat> and everybody brings it up, Arch, because they want to be around him. And then it kind of feeds on itself. They all, all kind of – I mean, for our team, it was, it was a great group of people. And I think that you see it on the Eagles, and then you see it at, at different levels. Like Mike has captained every team he's ever been on, from Xavier to – the Penn State team to the Marfu All Stars to the All Americans to the to the uh, U.S. Under 19s to the U.S. Eagles. Every single team, and 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 the New York Athletic. The actually one team he did not captain was Belmont Shore. The one year he went, Mike also won three Super League championships. I mean, he really has had an outstanding career, and 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 the great thing about it is it's only just beginning, and and. And hopefully there's going to be – doors are going to get open for American players. And it's very difficult to go overseas as an American and play because you play as a foreigner. And there's a lot of halfbacks in England that they can get. And then, and then to take an American halfback and sign an American halfback to play as a foreigner when – you know, you could sign Kiwis, you could sign South Africans, you can sign Australians, you can sign Fijians, you can sign Samoans and Tongans, you can sign all those guys, and you could essentially sign Europeans um, and from France and any other countries. So, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at some serious, serious stuff. And so, you don't the the achievement that Mike has had in in order to get to where he is, and any American player really. Who gets to play overseas? It's a tremendous, tremendous achievement, and especially in a skilled position. Like a lot, of, you know, you can understand taking, you know, a six foot six guy or you know a, a really great flanker or a, a good, an incredible second row like a Luke Gross or something. But to take a skill player and keep him, that's that's going to be huge. So, Mike, you know, I'm, you are one of the finest athletes we've ever had, and and. But also the character is the most important thing. I mean, there's a lot of pe- people can play rugby, but it, it's the character that, that made you special and, and has made you special on every team, and you see it. And, you know, nobody, you know, leadership is something that is, is given, and, and, and you have it at every level. So it, it's not, not just a one-off thing. It's not just, well, Bruce and Mike really like Mike Petrie. Everybody does, and everybody respects him. So yeah, Bronk, we are going to miss him, and we're not going to be able to replace him. But it's uh, you know it's it's been great. It's been a great run with him. 
All right, we have to uh, wind it up here, Bruce, because Dan Payne is waiting in the line. And I don't want to keep him waiting too much longer. But, Mike, uh, we'd love to... Thanks for your time. And I know it's been a rush for you, but we'd love to uh, catch up with you at some point down the track when you've settled in sale and just see, see th how things are going with you. Yeah, I would love to have the opportunity to, I guess, uh, just reach out to me and we'll set that up. I would love to give you an update on how things are going. I'm pretty excited to get over there. All right. Hey, Bronk, I got one, you know, one, one quick thing. Yeah, one, one, one Mike, quick Bronk, one. Bronk, Bronk is going to... He's doing video stuff. He's gonna do some video work with Clever. So you got to get one of the guys that you like, and you and you and him can do some video stuff for Bronk to put on the site. The other thing that I wanted to say is, you know, Mike, you were supposed to go like two or three weeks, two or three weeks after this. They wanted you to take a full rest, and you're like, nah, nah, I wanna let me get into this and let me start playing again. Just a, a testament to how you are, like they that they wanted you to be there and be part of it. And you wanted to be there and be part of it. They wanted you to take rest because you had an international season. So tell us a short bit about that, and goodbye and good luck, my brother. Yeah, no, uh, like you said, I'll explain that real quickly. It's just, you know, the English season is very long, um, very demanding, and, you know, they, uh, they kind of mandate a certain rest period for a lot of players. And, you know, they, uh, they saw me and they told me, you know what, we, uh, we don't expect you here till the end of July. And I was under the impression from, you know, from the onset that as soon as my visa came through, that uh, I was going to head over there and get myself started on the right foot, get myself acclimated with the team, you know, meet the guys and, and uh, you know, be a part of preseason because that's something that I certainly don't want to miss out on. I, I don't want to be the guy that, that rocks up to preseason uh, or rocks up after preseason, rather, you know, I want to be a part of it from the onset because that's an important part of the team team bonding and team chemistry that'll uh, gel throughout the year. Well, it sounds like you're off to a good start already. Mike Petrie, thanks for joining us on Rugger Matrix America. Good luck with the, uh, the job ahead. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Talk soon. And there he is, Mike Petrie, joining us before he heads off to Europe. A uh, great story. And, Bruce, I'm happy to say, joining us from Life University is Dan Payne. G'day, Dan. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Well, what a terrific uh, story for, for Mike and the fact that he's going to be heading into uh, one of the world's best competitions. Uh, from your point of view, you must also be happy to see that. Yeah, you know, Mike's, Mike's most importantly as, as, a, you know, as a player and as a former teammate, he's somebody that's always been really easy to root for and uh, is just a, a diligent guy that, that gets after it and pretty much epitomizes rugby in America right now. If you look at a guy that's come up through the age-grade program, I guess Todd Clever would be the same and some of these other guys now that are coming straight up through the, uh, the age-grade program, through top college programs, and then moving on uh, actually through the club system and then signing professional deals. You know, that's, that's pretty much what we're looking at, the model we have to do now. We have to get these guys into those types of environment. And I'm really happy for Mike, both, you know, a, as a player and as a guy that's lucky enough to be able to work with him now. I'm really happy with him. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's terrific. Actually, Todd and Mike were on the under-19s together for several years. And, and it's nice to see that these guys are together. And actually, two guys from my team, Richie White and Frank Sharp, who – who were on our national championship team this year with Mike played on the same on the 19s team as those guys. So there is something to be said about 
the the age grade programs in America and what and what they bring to the table. Some of these players are are quite good. But Dan, there's a lot going on in rugby now, especially at Life University. You guys are going to participate in the new college premier league and you're going to participate in the men's club rugby super league and and that's that's going to be take a yeoman's effort on your part and a part of scott lawrence and 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 the multiple staff members that you have there i just wanted you to talk to us a little bit about the college premier league i think it's terrific i think it's it's going to be a good product Based on what I saw, I thought the eligibility was right. I think it raises the bar a bit. Can you talk to us about what you think about this college Premier League and, and, and how life fits into it? I know you're very excited about being part of it, as, as I would be. Well, yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, for, for everybody involved, especially the, the college coaches um, and the programs that are participating, we're all very excited. Uh, there, there's a special a – special, energy and excitement around collegiate athletics in our country anyways that's unique I think to our country obviously um, so when you start to partner that with our great game you know it, it's kind of just a, a perfect storm and something that that will hope, hopefully just push our players and our game forward even more um, it, it's a great opportunity for us here we're, we were very excited just to be able to officially jump into the the university competition with a full undergrad team this coming year and you know i i think that to have the opportunity for for our athletes and that we've been recruiting on from that perspective to be able to now come in and play in such a competition with such great universities um you know as well recognized as the ones that we'll be competing with are um it's just a great opportunity for all of us hey dan one of the things that we're, we're looking at is that the college Premier League, to me, is going to funnel talent from the high school programs into the top college programs in the country. And I think that's important because one of the things that we're trying to do with Xavier is tr- and, and, and through Fury at the AC at, at, at Greenwich and other schools is to try to get players or people or athletes to use rugby as a major criteria for choosing a school. Because as I look through this list – there are schools that are academically extremely strong, like Dartmouth and Cal. There are schools that the, where you have the service academy aspect. There are schools that are mid-level. And there are schools that, that are, are not academically powerful. And so I think it really fits the gamut where you can make a, a, a real determination as to where you want to go to school based on rugby. Would you agree with me there? I, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Um... You know, it's it's becoming a major decision um, to be made now, and especially with this new group of, of colleges that have banded together and really worked to raise the bar from a competitive standpoint. But there are the majority of high school rugby players that are making a decision where to go to school based on collegiate rugby now. And I think that's a great – you know, there, there have been for a while, more so probably than people understand – um, but it's growing. There's a perfect storm kind of brewing, so to speak, with the growth of, of youth and high school rugby um, and the importance it's placing now in the decision-making of these student-athletes um, that they want to go somewhere that where they can get the type of degree they aspire to get and they can also partner that with the type of rugby environment they want to be in. So, you know, it, it's exciting to, to talk to, to talk to these student-athletes and prospective student-athletes and help them find that. You know, we have guys that 
inquire about life that um, life university that you know after after quick conversations we realized that they're probably not a demographic um, that might come here because there's not a strong fit with what they want to study and and different aptitudes or interests you know but we make the initial cut because of our, our rugby prowess and and where we want to take our game and the environment on a daily basis that we offer our athletes um, so from that standpoint the game's moving forward for sure well, Dan, we know BYU, Cal, and Utah are very strong in that area. I mean, are you up, up at that level in terms of relationships at the high school level uh, with gridiron coaches uh, in your area to make sure that, that you can get your hands on these guys down the track? Sure. Um, we are, you know, I've been here a year now, but we're working at, at building those relationships. And, and it's all networking, as you know. It's, it's finding... Um, those centers of influence, I guess you would call them, those those high school football coaches, you know, they've they've got De La Salle and some of the big programs out in NorCal that have great football athletes that make really good rugby players. And, you know, the, the high school rugby in NorCal and in Utah and in a lot of those places is very, very strong. Even even in, you know, and it's growing throughout the country, but what we're getting is high school rugby right now is is starting to really take hold in Georgia. It's growing around our area. There's a lot of people, a lot of really good people that are putting a lot of time and a lot of energy to help grow high school rugby in Georgia. Um, The two states that we pull a lot of athletes from right now, and we know our athlete-rich states, are Florida and North Carolina. Um, Probably, I think, 75% of our recruiting class this coming year, um, of which we have 16 incoming freshmen, uh, probably 10, 10 or 11 of those guys are from either Florida or North Carolina, where high school rugby um, is really growing quickly in Florida. It's really taken off in Charlotte, North Carolina, and some of the other big clubs around North Carolina, and there's athletes all over those states. So we're playing some catch-up in that regard, but uh, you know, we are, we're building those relationships, hopefully, that will pan out in the future. Well, I, I'm just looking, and, and one of the things we're talking about is raising the bar. And as I go through exactly – Cal Berkeley had two former Eagle coaches. San Diego State has the Eagle coach. St. Mary's has two former Eagles coaching them. UCLA has a uh, has a Canadian national team player coaching them. Uh, BYU has an has an Eagle player as an assistant coach. Utah has an Eagle. You're an Eagle coach over at Life. The Eagle under 19s coach uh, is coaching at Notre Dame. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, an, an assistant coach was a former Eagle Sevens player at, at Army. A, an Eagle player at Dartmouth. Uh, an Eagle pool player is over at Kutztown. I, I, I see that when, when you're taking a look at the quality of the coaches, that raises the bar. The, the quality of the other coaches is still incredibly good. And then we're talking about there's, there are opportunities for students. They need to understand this. There are scholarship opportunities. There's, there's, there's set-asides. Could you talk us through some of the things that you have at life that other teams also have, like your, your facilities, your, 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 your training, your, all the things that you have at life like, that make life special? Because I yeah, think it's I, I similar think- to a lot of places. Sure. Well, I, I think, you know, and just not to take away anything that you said, Bruce, but I, and I know you didn't mean it that way. There's great Eagles coaches, people that have been involved in the program. But, you know, I, I think there's an amazing number of coaches out there that, you know, weren't, weren't an Eagle or weren't, you know, ever a part of that process that 
I aspire and a lot of us aspire to try to do just as good a job as, um, you know, as, as well. I don't think that's a prerequisite. There's amazing coaches in the college game everywhere. Um, and they're, they're doing a ton of hard work. What, what we really try to do here is, is similar to those top 10 programs that have been doing it year in and year out for the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, Cal is probably, you know, twice as much as that, but, uh, you know, we just try to provide that daily training environment that gives a strength and conditioning program. It gives nutrition guidance. You know, it, it talks about how to make somebody a champion in all aspects of their life, which is rugby, you know, academics, you know, all the things right down the board. And we're working to emulate what those other programs have been doing for years. Um, you know, and, and it starts with people. We, we are lucky to have the support of our university and the support of some people that didn't know a whole lot, um, at least with our university, our undergrad, a whole lot about the opportunity and the structure within collegiate rugby already that had faith in us to say, you know, we would like to have a university team. Um, what could we do? And, and then they've just trusted us and they've let us kind of mold our team and build our team and, and create those environments for our athletes. So, you know, we really just try to put them in a great daily training environment. That's, that's what it comes down to. And, and you hold them accountable to systems and, and things across the board. And we have a long way to go to catch up to those teams that have been doing it for, for decades. You know, but the goal is to put them in that similar environment first and then get after the results. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's – I think that the point was that there are, that there are high-powered coaches – Within the structure of the league, and I and I did hope I hope that I didn't I wasn't disparaging the other coaches, I because I, I certainly understand the 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 quality of coaches who were not eagle coaches or or former eagles. I was just saying that there are high powered coaches within that community. The the other thing that that I look at and I say Fraser Grieger from Penn State, who was one of the stalwarts of the Penn State coaching team for many years before he retired a couple years ago said that the key to collegiate rugby is that you have someone in place who's there and is planning on being there for the long haul and doing just what you said, caring and caring a lot about the program and and the athlete and the athlete as a student, as a person, as a whole person, and also cares about him after he graduates because I think that's critical as well. And I think that that's where, you know, a guy like Doc Jones at Kutztown, a guy, a guy like Terry Ryland and Frazier over at Penn State, uh, Jack Clark and Tom Phillips over at Cal, uh, Dave Smith over at BYU Blake, yourself, uh, you know, I, Tim O'Brien and, and John Everett, of course. You know, that, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And, and, right. and is that, that's what I meant. And do you agree that you, you, you got to kind of have a long-term approach? You, 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 you say something about uh, – you know, 10 years will be here. Like, let's, let's, let's right. talk us through a little bit of that. Right. Well, I, I think, you know, that, that what I, when I say like 10 years from now will come, you know, it's, and you have to look at that to a certain degree. If you make all short-term decisions and think of the here and now, uh, you know, you usually get what, whatever you get in the short term, you know, which isn't nearly as rewarding. Um, and I think what I think too now is, is right now we have a lot of our kids coming in, um, for the summer quarter to start our incoming freshmen. And as a result, I've had a lot of meetings with, with parents and things. And, and when you sit down and you talk with an 18 year old's parent that's starting to release them, you know, into your program, 
you talk four and five years from now. And and I you know, I've heard a lot of different coaches that I take a lot of advice from and, and that, you know, work as mentors to me and the great thing about coaching at the collegiate level is, you know, you have to have some hard discussions sometimes. You you, you can really mold young men because they're in such a formative age. But in the beginning, the first and second year sometimes, they don't like what you're delivering. A lot of times they don't understand it and they don't get it. But the truth will be is what type of guy are they four or five years after they leave your program? You know, and, and did you help them in their decision making? Did you help them, you know, because of the structures and the systems you put in place that are going to help them across the board, not just in rugby? Did you help make them a better person? And that's, you know, that's what I love about the game and, and the chance to work with this age group is you really, you know, can can help affect guys with their decision making and their choices and learning the accountability through a game. The game's a vehicle, but, you know, what you're teaching them will impact them for the next 40 or 50 years of their life. And that, that's what's fun about it. Well, the Premier League has a, a competition manual that is starting to be discussed by the the potential member programs in the in 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 the group. And I think that and 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 I got it. I didn't get it through you and I didn't get it through Tim O'Brien. So but I got it from a friend of mine. Um and it, it seems like you ha- it's 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 pretty good. There's a you know, I think that the eligibility is right. I think it's a good product. I think it raises the bar on the expectations of the teams. And there's certain things that that I would really take a look at like there's there's a an aspect in there that, that discusses relegation and and I don't see relegation as something that that should even be on the table at all I think the teams that can't cope will leave voluntarily most likely but I I I, I, don't, I see relegation as an English soccer concept and it makes no sense to me it would make more sense to try to to raise the bar and bring more people into the program, even if you got a, say, a, a 12-team Eastern Conference, just for lack of a better, you could have two two groups of six play five games either side, and then have a, a crossover between the two and one on either side of the conference. You've had your seven games. You still have your champion and your and your second place team. You still have everything you have. I, I think that you want to bring more teams in. And the other thing is, is if some if a college is going to invest in a program, maybe getting a coaching stipend or, or buying a, a high-quality scrum machine, putting a facility together for them to play at, with the threat of relegation hanging over your head, or if you win a national championship and everything goes haywire, something happens, like you get a sickness on campus and then you're 0-6, like are you going to get relegated? That kind of thing to me is, is, is senseless. Do you agree with me or am I, am I talking like a nut? Like I, I relegation to me means nothing. I think that a team that can't cope will leave. They don't want to get beat a hundred nothing every week. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the first part of that section you read, the first word was promotion, right? And I think that's the overlying issue: is how do you get somebody up? That I, I think you got to have a way for people to aspire to get up into the competition. Um, so I, you know, that part I agree with. Relegation. I, if if there's a, a college program out there that's doing all the right things and and they're producing great student athletes and adhering to the standards that we want and you know that we all aspire to try to you know maintain and, and grow the game, do we really want to push them out of any competition? You know, I, I would agree with you 100 percent there. Um, so that's a 
a touchy a touchy subject. I don't I don't know if you want to ever force anybody down, but you always want teams that can add value to the competition to have a way up. So if if there is a numerical limit and that you know other people make those decisions, but if there's a, a limit to how many teams can be in a competition, you have to have a way for improving teams to get into the competition. Um, if that, that was sense. really well that was really well said. I totally agree with you. A couple of the things that I was looking at, you know, in a 32 or 30, whatever, however many team tournament it is at this point or, or whatever it becomes, you have your eight teams going in a national championship. And I was just looking at a couple of things like in the future, maybe it becomes a 40-44 team comp or whatever it is. What about having bowl games? Like, So there's the eight teams in the top kind of playing for the BCS championship. And then you can have teams with winning records maybe – having one-off matches at the end of the season that are kind of like a bowl game. And, and again, that's just, it's just something, it's just a, it's just a thought. Um, preseason, doing preseason challenge matches, such as happened at the, at the USA 7s this year out, out in Las Vegas. I, I, I was very impressed with the standard of some of those preseason challenge matches, especially the, the Utah game against the Canadian side. Uh, I, I want to say it was UVic. And and in the, and in the game of Cal Berkeley against San Diego State, which I watched with you, that I, I thought that those I thought those were pretty good rugby games, and I, and I thought that that was something that was pretty marketable. And is, is that something that you would kind of? I'm not saying as a, as a standard act, act, but something that you would look to in the future. Are those things that you may look at as in terms of how to just market certain things. Yeah, I, I think that would be that's a great idea, I, and I hadn't thought of it much, you know. But I think interconference games are are what we want to do because at the end of the day, if if you're not one of those top two teams, you want the teams in your conference to to do well, and you want pride for your conference. And maybe the third place teams that don't make the playoffs play each other in in one offs at the end of the season in bowl type games to for for conference bragging rights as well. And and the preseason matches are are non-conference games where maybe Army's playing, you know, Texas A&M and Cal's playing Penn State and all those those names are, are competing and for pride in their in their conference because that's what helps grow everything. So I, I think that's an awesome idea. And one of the other things I was thinking now is it, it is now – rugby is a spring sport in, in collegiate athletics right now. Is, is sevens rugby a fall sport? Is, is sevens rugby a fall game? Because if we are going to get any kind of a varsity sort of status, it's going to be through or, or a, a, that that kind of um, – maybe it's not varsity status, but university acknowledgement. It's going to be in the game that's in the Olympics. And sevens is the game that's in the Olympics. So like it or not, we're going to kind of have to address that whole – sevens thing and we have to do something to there has to be a time when we're playing sevens and and is the fall that time it the fall weather is beautiful it'd be an outstanding time to have nice little sevens tournaments could be great yeah because i burped burped during the question (laughs) you can edit that out right (laughs) yeah we'll look after you bruce sure go go ahead dan um yeah, the, the, the issue there becomes seasonality, right? Uh, I think 
we need our top athletes playing sevens. If, if they want to play sevens, it's, it's obviously going to be something that draws, um, draws people to our game and, and we're going to want to compete at a high level starting from, you know, next year on, but 2016 is the first time we get an international stage. I'm not so sure how, how it fits in or where it could fit in. Um, you know, those are, those are different, different discussions. I think the fall would be probably the, the time to do it. What we do in the fall is, is a lot of skill-based stuff and strength and conditioning and, and different work around that aspect. So um, the sevens fit into it because there's not as much tax and load on the body maybe. Um, you know, but I, I agree with you. I think there's got to be some sort of specific season for, for that. Well, Dan, you got something upcoming this week, and, 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 I, and I agree with you on the sevens, and I think that that's – that's going to come, but we, we're going to we'll, we'll we'll talk about that as as we move on, and and we kind of have a, a this any kind of a plan in place. Life camp, you're having a camp for high school students to develop their skills at Life University this week, and I just wanted to talk us through that. What's your whole process there? Who do you have working with you? Having an, an all star staff and. And, and, and what are you hoping to get out of this camp? Not, not only from your perspective of, of getting the kinks out, for, from the perspective of the player, the potential, the, 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 the future athlete, the future college player. Uh, well, we, you know, to keep, keep pace with the Joneses, the top universities and the top programs are all, um, you know, having, having rugby camps. And it's, it's similar to now what you're doing in many of the other sports. It, it allows you to really get your hands on some great athletes for four or five days. It allows a lot of people the chance to come in and, and get some specific intense coaching and skill work and development. Um, for, for us, it's, it's an opportunity that we, we have a lot of local high school rugby players that uh, are going to be coming in for four and five days, and we're going to get a chance to really work with them. And, and the exciting thing that has really happened along this whole process that I didn't anticipate is that we're getting a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches um, that want to come, that, that are interested in coming with their guy, with their players. Um, some are coming even without their players, and, and they just want to come and, and up their level of understanding of the game and, and ask questions and do things right alongside the players. And I think that's something that uh, it will benefit everybody. Uh, we're, we're excited. We're excited to get we're going to have probably 65 is what we decided to cap it at. We capped it at 60, um, and, and we had a long waiting list and have, have now moved it to 65 uh, high school student athletes in for four days to have them on campus and, and work with them. Um, you know, it, it, it bodes well for where the game's going in our country. There's a lot of high school rugby camps around this summer, and there's a lot of kids that are, that are seeking to get into all of them, and all of them have great staffs. Um, great people that are interested in the game and, and really driving the game forward. All right. Well, we talk about American rugby, but, uh, gentlemen, let's uh, see what the trend is that it's developing in the Tri-Nations. And, Bruce, I know you were keen to talk about it, but the World Cup is going to be in New Zealand, and uh, it's not long to go now in terms of rugby preparation. The All Blacks were pretty awesome against the Springboks uh, on the weekend. I got to say... I was so impressed with the way the All Blacks played that game. They took the spring box on up front. They took them on physically. They took them on defensively. 
they tackled viciously. They they really were were ruthless. I, I'm totally lost here. I don't think I anybody can hear me. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Oh, I I totally win. I, I think that the All Blacks were absolutely ruthless in in how they approached that game. I think that they fully believed in themselves and they went out there with the the point of they were going to challenge the Springbok line out at certain spots. They were not going to allow the Springboks to drive malls on them. They were absolutely going to run the ball and not let the Springboks. They were not going to kick the ball off the park and allow the Springboks the opportunity to have lineouts. And in jail breaks, they were going to finish. And they did the job. I really think that they did the job. And I, I will be very shocked if Baki's Bota is playing at all in the rest of the Tri-Nations after what he did to Jimmy Cowan with that headbutt. That was insane. I don't even know what he was thinking. First off, he didn't hurt him, but second off, he tried to. So, and and he was defenseless, and he wasn't looking. I, I mean, this he's he's going to get done pretty hard on this, and and I think that that's that's something the South African guys got to really start to look at. Like when when Berger when Berger did the eye gouge during the Lions test, they they have to look at the fact that they're a quality team, and they certainly don't have to have to resort to these thuggish tactics. In 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 and and then violent activity to try to to try to intimidate people. They can intimidate people through their play, and 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 that they, I don't I, I have no use for any of that in rugby. And I don't care if Baki's boat is ever on a field again. To be perfectly honest with you, and I also don't. I actually it sickens me to look at Scott Berg, Scott Berger after what he did to the, in that eye gouge. Now, the thing I, I can't of, even yeah. look at him on a field. Uh, I experienced this uh, whole thing with South Africa firsthand in the 2003 match in Brisbane where uh, it really got out of hand. There was spitting, there were biting allegations, all sorts of stuff. And uh, it really uh, became a matter for the press. Uh, I took the photo of, uh, of one of our players, Brendan Cannon, with a massive bite mark on his shoulder. And it blew up. And it really changed the way South Africa played after that for a long time. So these last two incidents that you talk of um, are pretty much isolated in the last few years because South Africa, look at it, when they play well, they've been able to win World Cups and uh, and dominate. So they certainly don't need to do any of these off-the-ball tactics. I, I, I totally agree with you, Bronk. I totally agree with you. But And, and, and I got to say that it was they, they looked awesome when they played Italy. They looked awesome. Hmm. They looked awesome when they looked unbelievable when they played France. And then and then you look and you say, maybe, maybe the ABs were a little bit more battle hardened in that they had to prepare for an Ireland team. Granted Ireland went down to thirteen men and it kinda got kinda turned into a tri fest and then Ireland came back on them. And then they had to have two tough tough tests against Wales that I think that maybe they were a bit more battle-hardened as opposed to the South Africans who had an easier time against France than they had probably expected. And then they had two relatively easy games against Italy. And I think that they maybe just went in there a little bit complacent and all of a sudden it was 20-3 to at halftime. The All Blacks were just terrific defensively. And, and, and they really did everything you could put. The one thing that the All Blacks do, forwards play like forwards. They scrummage, they line, they play tough, they hit rucks, they make, they move piles, and the backs penetrate and play like backs, and and I think that it's important to be able to do that. That there are times when you want to say, yeah, every, nobody really has a number on their back outside of a scrum, and that's true to some extent. 
Well, but it wasn't the first. In order try. to win rugby games, in order to win rugby games, forwards got to play like forwards. Yeah, it wasn't the first try. I mean, Richie McCaw was uh, heavily involved as a running forward in that play, and helped set it up. So, I mean, you've still. Rick, Rick. Richie McCall was a running forward, but he was playing like a forward. He was a support running forward, and and there was a beautiful pass that was made to him. He but he was a support runner. Yeah, but and, I think and, you, and I think you can be too simplistic about that forwards backs thing because they they need to be called upon at any moment. I think you I, I think you I, have to be really I, specific I, on that, Bruce. I I agree. I, I agree. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And, but I I think that I hope I hope the listeners get the fact that. What we're what we're trying to say is that forwards need to clear piles and they need to retain possession of the ball. And one of the things that Richie McCart did in both of those breaks, one where they didn't score and one where they did, was that he retained possession of the ball. Yeah. He, he did not spill the pill. And the one time when he went when, especially when he was over on the left sideline, when he went to make that one handed left handed offload and he pulled it back in and recycled it back. That was an unbelievable play. I thought he was just going to spill it to nobody. I couldn't believe that he was able to keep his hand on the ball. It's like he was palming a basketball and pulled it back in. Dan, I don't know if you saw the game or not, because I know you were at a seventh tournament today. Just before you answer that, Dan, I just want to make this clear. Bruce, when you talk about forwards being forwards, because this happens, uh, this is a really big, important discussion point where the game is and, and the not, not having the number on your back, as you mentioned. But uh, the All Blacks show that they did the forwards work, but when it's on, you've got to make a contribution. Is that fair enough, Bruce? Bronk, well said. Okay. Absolutely well said. Exactly, exactly. You're not going to put your hands exactly. up and say, oh, I'll just clean out. If, if you have to no, be a no, no, man. No, 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 no. You can't play international rugby and yeah. say that. Yeah. Only a fool would say that. Yeah. I think it's something uh, we should flesh out in later shows. And be, I, I, think that we, I, think that we I think we absolutely have to flesh that out in later shows. Yeah, all right. Because uh, that, that's, a, that's a real a, a point of tactics in game plan, and, and, and I have a lot of opinions on that. So I, I de- and I, I would like to have bring someone on with with differing opinions, so that we can have a little go go with each other on it. I'd like to hear that, Dan. Um, were, there, were there things out of that match that you thought, holy hell, look out, New Zealand? And secondly, uh, are there trends you think that will possibly come out of that uh, first Tri Nations game that we'll see at the World Cup? Um, well, I mean, I, New Zealand. You know, I guess the scary thing is they don't look they look this great about 15 months out all the time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they they. I understand what Bruce is saying. I, I disagree with it from the standpoint of I'm, I'm more along your line, Gerald, in that. You know, in that in that setting, after after the first phase, second phase, and you guys will flesh it out. And I, I can't believe, uh, you know, Bruce said he had an opinion on anything. It just doesn't seem like an opinionated guy. <laughs> no. but, he does grow up you know, in his backyard. Yeah, those the the one thing in that the, the the Kiwis always seem to do really really well is after that first phase or second phase, it is almost sometimes as if there is no number on their back. They do they do everything really well, um, and that's that's what makes watching them for me. Anyways, I'm I'm a little biased towards watching watching New Zealand rugby because I appreciate the overall skill that they all have. Um, and and I don't what was both as penalty last time wasn't he didn't he just come off a ban for a bit yeah he was uh suspended uh earlier in the year so uh yeah. but it happens every year so yeah. yeah i mean but he's that's that's you know at one point you've got to quit he he's, he keeps looking for 
for oh well, know. but if you talk to the Bulls players in South Africa, th- that's just the way he is. And uh, you know, uh, they joked around his. Uh, <clears throat> they joked actually about his uh, being devout uh, Christian and that he always seeks uh, forgiveness on Sunday after playing like a demon on the Saturday. So you know, he's uh, he is what he is, and and I don't think they can change him. If you go a long time without him being involved in a heavy incident, then you've had a good run. Hey, Bronk, I'll tell you something, Bronk, I'll tell you something. When, when I was in college, I, it, MASH used to be at 4 o'clock every Sunday. Mm. And 4 o'clock was just at the, about the end of the gridiron games. And I, and, I would, and I would leave with like two minutes to go in the gridiron games to go to MASH. And my friend Steve Weiss, a Jewish kid who was on the football team, goes, <laughs> Bruce, just sit down. There is no use going to mass because what you do the under 167 hours in the week is not going to be forgiven because you <laughs> sat there and listened to some dude for an hour. He's like, you may as well just sit down and accept the fact you're going to hell. <laughs> so <laughs> well, maybe Baki's both there should. <laughs> well, it looks should, like uh, you're, you're going to have some company, Bruce. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! There's a, there's only one place Bruce is going. We know he's going up. So um, all that aside, uh, Dan, uh, they they look good to me. Um, and you would have noticed Bruce as well. The cutaways in the broadcast to the uh, the All Black coaching box showed coaches at this level who generally don't even lift a finger in reaction to the greatest try were bouncing around like uh, teenagers at a rock rock concert. So it obviously meant a lot that first game. I think that they needed that. I mean, you saw Graham Henry after that game. It looked like, you know, it looked like he just won the election for king of the world. (laughs) He was just, he was just, I am king of the world. You know, I mean, it was unbelievable. And and, and you know what? And fair play to them because, you know, Eden Park, it's a a big place for all those guys. They've never lost to South Africa there. You know, Graham Henry's hometown is Auckland. That was, that was very, very important for them to stamp the fact that, hey, if you're going to do something and win this Tri-Nations, you're going to have to beat us. If you're going to win this World Cup, you're going to have to understand that it goes through New Zealand. And I think that that's okay. And I think that that's great. And I think it's a good attitude. And it's nice to see that the All Blacks have it back. The South Africans certainly have it. Because John Smith, after the game, was, was pretty like, you know, to like, did you think that the All Blacks line-out looked good? He said, I was surprised at how poor ours was. We'll fix that this week. Yeah. And it was very matter-of-fact that this is that there's going to be a game next week in Wellington, and there were a lot of points scored when Bakis Bota was in the bin, and it wasn't due to that act. It was due to a, it was due to a technical offense at the goal line. But I, and there is going to be – that's going to be some game. There's, buckle your chin straps, boys, because there's going to be a lot of hitting going on in that game. It's going to be – Intense, intense, intense. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and as we hit the hour mark, we're going to wind up our first show here at uh, rugbymag.com. And, of course, we are now Rugger Matrix America. But, Dan, the point I wanted to make is that from from everyone's point of view, including uh, everyone in America, it is not easy to win in New Zealand, and it doesn't matter if you're playing other opposition. But that's the sort of thing you're going to experience when you head down under for 2010 World Cup, 2011 World Cup. Yeah, well, I mean, we're all looking at 
looking very forward to going. It's going to be probably something. Every World Cup is something you remember for the rest of your life. But to go down there to New Zealand uh, next fall in that sort of atmosphere uh, is something that's going to be really, really special. We're all looking really excited to it. Or we're all very excited to it. Sorry. And the way things are going, we'll probably all have to be billeted out during the World Cup because there's only about three or four houses in New Zealand and uh, <laughs> they will struggle to keep us all in. So uh, we look forward to that. Now, Bruce, uh, time to wind up the program. Great to have uh, Mike Petrie on at the start. Fantastic to be here, as we said, on rugbymag.com. What a great start to the relationship. Yeah, I think it's I think it's terrific that we're on Rugby Mag. I mean, obviously, it's the site that everyone goes to when you're when you want to have information on rugby in America. And one of the things that that, that we are going to have is we're going to have a free blog like that. You're going to be able to comment on us. There's going to be a few more characters going to be allowed on your comments. We would ask you to keep your language clean and that if you're going to make a if you're going to make a statement about someone else that 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 can't be you know that, that needs to be corroborated that you sign your real name to it other than well, that let's, uh, let's try and keep the iq up okay like we, we yeah, try to have a that, reasonable conversation here so that should continue online because yeah we should we should because i think that we there's going to be you could have a really good blog and and you could blast this and you could and you could say some happy things and say some good things but I, we're going to try to let it, it's not going to be as as monitored as monitored as a blog on as the normal blogs are on rugby on rugbymag.com we're going to let you have a go we're going to let you have a fly and if you have things to say you can go ahead and say them you can say them anonymously but you know as as always we want to we want to keep it good we want to keep the discussion good and if you have any good ideas hopefully we can incorporate them in the future shows it's i think it's going to be great to be here i i think it's going to be you know really be an exciting place and 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 i and and we have there's a, there's a lot of support at the rugby mag at the rugby mag organization that is going to be able to get us articles about the show and 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 really help us in in uh in in promoting what is going on in American rugby. Absolutely. There's a lot of news that we can generate out of this program and you'll see that probably creep out before the show goes to air and uh we're looking forward to producing some other enterprises as well looking seriously at video uh, in the coming months so we're really going to move rugger matrix america uh, into a uh, new realm of uh, of multimedia and uh, look forward to seeing bruce's uh, live head on the web very very yeah. shortly yeah and, and we, we were talking about a couple things and bronco so why don't we just share a few of them with the listeners is that you you and peter hewitt and and todd clever are looking at doing some video stuff from Japan on Todd practicing and Todd and and Todd's experience in Japan and having having a video look there. I'm sure that once that's put in place, that you'll be doing some stuff with Mike Petri over in Sale and then and then the other guys who are over Mate over in in, in France. And there's going to be a lot of people all over the place that we could talk to. And also, we're going to get a bit of an international flavor to the show as well. As, as well as having guys like Dan and Eddie O'Sullivan and, and Mike Tolkien and Dave Hodges and, and Luke Gross and Bill LeClaire and, and those and those guys, we're gonna we're gonna also have an international flavor to the show and 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 discuss 
how they view and look at American rugby yeah, because it's yeah. pretty positive. Yeah. I think that segment will be like outside looking in and I think it's important every now and then to get people um, from the wider global community having a look at American rugby and getting their opinions because that's uh, when you really realise what's going on. And, and and I think that's that's great. And and we're really glad to be here and we're really glad that, that Dan and Mike were able to take the time to to be on our inaugural show here all of our previous shows are going to be are, are going to be online as well and and you're going to be able to let fly on those as well and we encourage you to listen there, there's some there's some good stuff you can you can get through and everything's available on itunes too bronc that's the other thing is that you you don't have to sit there at your computer at work or sit there at your computer at home you can actually download it and just pop it in your car or pop it on your ipod and, and take a listen to the show and that's probably the easiest way to do it Exactly, or on your iPad if you have one, which I do, Bruce, and I love it. And I and I know that anything technolo- technological <laughs> you have, anything technological I don't have, I think I still have a uh, an i an IBM ThinkPad probably <laughs> from two thousand. I tell uh, you, I tell you what, it is a it is a wonderful platform if someone can get some sort of coaching and training uh, program going on it, an application because. There is dead set no end to it in terms of um, text, uh, video, uh, interaction. Uh, it would be a wonderful tool in the coaching environment. I'm not sure if anyone out there is working on it, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind a piece of that action. Well, I'll tell you, one of the guys who, who, is, who is very excited about it and is working a bit on it is Dave Hodges, the USA Video Analysis and Forwards Coach. He is... He's really excited about his iPad, and he's really excited about being able to yeah. use it in coaching applications. You would agree with that, right, Dan? He, you were just yeah. with him for three weeks. <laughs> oh, he, Haji, Haji loves his gadgets, and he's, he loves his video. He's oh, great he's at it. Man. He's my man. Man, he's phenomenal. He, he does he, – he, I'm surprised he hasn't broken down the coaches and, and the way we work at practice yet because he analyzes those guys – to such a great degree and allows us to really coach and develop and, and get in it. He, he's great at that. He's phenomenal. And, and before we go, can, I, can we get – I just want a perspective here, a perspective moment. LeBron James uh, and what happened this week uh, is just unbelievable. And uh, you look at the money involved in the NBA and the NFL and then you think what we're doing in rugby. Does it give you some perspective? You know what? Can I speak to that, Bruce? Uh, I'll tell you, I, it's ironic you said that because today, even at, at the tournament that I was at up up in north part of Atlanta here, and, and, and I've been disgusted all week at how much we've had to think of this and talk about it and hear all the things with LeBron and everything and, and our show for him to make a decision. Uh, you know, as much as, as that group and that professionalism and that sport has, it made me really appreciate especially the people that do so much in our sport and how genuine and sincere we, we, we are, you know, obviously, and I know this might be a leading question for one of your topics, Bruce, that you want to get at. We're a resource starved sport in our country, but what we're not, the resource that we're not starved of is sincere, committed people that love the game to death, you know, and even today to watch this tournament go on up in, in northern Atlanta and there were tournaments all over the country and all the high school coaches and people that volunteer time and, and do things out of the goodness of their heart for our game. 
you know, it, it makes me really appreciate it when I see stuff like that happen. You know, it, it, it made me become thankful even more this week for the people involved in our game and, and the energy and the optimism and positive things that are happening with our game and, and the people around it. So too much of an answer, but that's, that's yeah. my thought. Uh, well, I mean, I, I've, always said, I've always said that rugby is the, is the greatest game on the planet, and, and it's because of the people that are involved in the game. And and I and I fully concur with that, and and I think that our volunteer base that we have in America is underappreciated, and 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 I think that they're the most important driving force behind it, and they're the most important driving force behind every single game in America. Speaking to LeBron, I don't disagree with him going to Miami. I understand where people say, well, they want Dwayne Wade is one and all that kind of stuff. It, at the end of the day. You have a short shelf life as a player, and players want to win championships. And by going to a situation where he believes in the leader in Pat Riley, although he's not the coach, he is the leader, and he well, very well may be the coach come January 1st if things aren't going well. And the, the, um, I think that going to play with high-quality players, it's very similar to somebody going and joining the New York Yankees or very similar to somebody going and joining Manchester United or AC Milan or or deciding that they're going to play for the Crusaders if they're in, in New Zealand or deciding that they're going to play for the Bulls if they're in South Africa or deciding that they're going to play for the Reds now if they're in in uh in in Australia like you want to play for and with the best and that, and that's a lot of times what athletes do and then there's other athletes who decide well screw this I want to beat the best I'm going to put my I'm going to get a group of guys and we're going to beat the best. LeBron has tried that for several years and it didn't it didn't necessarily work out. It came, they came close. They they had some good runs, but at the end of the day you need people around you to be good night and I and I don't disagree with his decision in going there. And that that's all I have to say because um I haven't watched LeBron James play a game of basketball in my life and I probably will die not having watched him play 48 minutes of basketball after that. Mm. But I do understand the fact that he wants to win. And I do understand the fact that he wants to compete with the best and be amongst leaders who are truly able. And Pat Riley, you know, for what it's worth has five championships and that there's a reason for that. All like right. them or not, there's a reason for it. All right. So good answers. Uh, it was a perspective thing. And I think actually the people who got over the fact he went to Miami uh, more concerned about how the whole thing went down and uh, what a circus it was. It certainly was uh, beneficial for ESPN because they had global coverage. It's quite amazing. So uh, that was the week in sport, I guess, as well as uh, rugby in America. Well, that is it. Uh, episode uh, 27 of uh, Rugger Matrix America, our first on uh, rugbymag.com. Bruce, uh, thanks. It's, ep- it's episode one now, baby. No, 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 it's we're 27. We're, we're still going, mate. <laughs> I, know we're giving them all, I know we're giving them all the – but I'm just saying, it is episode one. Yeah, well, you keep thinking there, mate, but if you're doing the count, I'm uh... – <laughs> I've got the official count, and it ain't changing. All we're right. up to 27. All right. All right, my man. <laughs> all right, and Dan Payne, thanks for joining us. Uh, wonderful to speak to you from Atlanta. 
Well, thank you. It was Tri-Nations Rugby, it was college rugby, and we got to hear Bruce talk about church. It was great. (laughs) And with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, Thanks for your company. We look forward to a long relationship now with uh, Rugby Mag. And uh, don't forget, look up those past episodes as well. We'll speak to you all next week, and good luck to Mike Petrie as he heads to Sale.